Welcome to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Now get ready for another episode of Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain. The thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are thoughts and opinions only and do not necessarily reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks or their sponsors and associates. You are encouraged to do the proper amount of research yourself, depending on the subject matter and your needs. Hi, I'm Sandra Champlain. For almost 25 years, I've been on a journey to prove the existence of life after death. On each episode, we'll discuss the reasons we now know that our loved ones have survived physical death. And so will we. Welcome to Shades of the Afterlife. Here's something I know about people interested in the topic of life after death. We don't just buy one book on the subject, we buy many. We don't just watch one video on YouTube, we watch many. And we don't just follow one radio show or podcast, we follow many. At the time of this recording, our afterlife explorer, Roberta Grimes, has over 300 episodes of Seek Reality. My first show, called We Don't Die Radio, has over 350 episodes. Victor and Wendy Zamet's Friday Afterlife report that they send out via email, they haven't missed a week since 2011. That's over 500 afterlife reports. Bob Olson from Afterlife TV is just as passionate. He too was a former skeptic and as a private investigator, he has been doing some massive research into credible evidence of the afterlife since 1999. He's the author of the book Answers About the Afterlife and has hundreds of episodes of Afterlife TV, and you can find out more at afterlifetv.com. I'd love to share with you now some questions and answers I had in a conversation with Bob. Bob, you ask so many people so many questions on your show, but I want to find out about you. What makes a private investigator get so interested in the afterlife and then want to share it with so many people? Yeah, I you know, was, wasn't thinking about this subject matter at all in my life. Um, and up and through my twenties and into my early thirties, uh, when I was, and now I'm starting to re- forget, I think I was 34, maybe <laughs> 35. That's age talking. No, point out exactly. Uh, my, my father passed and he was 64. I remember that. It just seemed too young for me. And, uh, and now for the very first time he, uh, I was, he was served as a catalyst to get me to wonder about, life after death, you know, and I just happened to wonder, did he go anywhere, you know, or was that it, you know, is that it, that's the end all, you know, be all. And, and because I was a private investigator, I decided to use my skills as a PI to find out and to determine if there really is life after death, just look for evidence. And, and of course, you know, when you're, really a skeptic because I had been trained, you know, as a PI to not believe in anything that there wasn't evidence for. So, yes. you know, when you have that mindset, I, I, you don't believe in the afterlife, you know, because you don't have a lot of evidence. And especially back then, this is the 1997, there wasn't a lot out there, you know, only a few like mediums like James Van Prague and Sylvia Brown and maybe 
George Anderson, maybe, I'm not even sure at uh-huh. that time it books out. And, and then, so I spent like a couple of years just searching around and really not finding that much evidence. And it wasn't until 1999 that I ended up having a reading with a medium. And, and it was that first reading that made me realize, oh, oh, there really is something to this. That, you know, here is a person who's a stranger to me who's giving me information from my father and spirit that this woman could not possibly know. Right. And from that point on, it, it just got easier from, from right there on to find more and more evidence along the way. So what kind of evidence did you start discovering? And, and how soon after you started digging did you start your show? Uh, well, I... And that's a big question. It is a big question. And first of all, I, I ended up working with a lot of mediums. I, you know, that was the first evidence that I had. And I was so impressed with it that I thought, if I have this kind of evidence from one medium, what would it be like to get information from another medium? Mm. What? And so I actually spent a few years, this isn't all I did, but one, I spent years, you know, sort of getting readings from different mediums. And, and comparing and contrasting, you know, what that was like, what was that reading like with them? How did they do it? What's their explanation behind it? Um, I was counting hits and misses, but I was also then sort of grading them as, as, um, you know, which of the hits are, have a lot of depth and which of them are sort of shallow. Ah, gotcha. And so I had this whole system, uh, uh, to determine what, what, brought me in in a reading with a medium what brought me like really good deep evidence and i'll give you an example like you know this is one i use all the time but in the very first reading that i had the medium's telling me that my father is expressing that he's proud of me when i was playing uh, a solo in the middle school band concert on my saxophone so that's pretty specific it was really specific and it was crazy actually and and, and, and this is my first reading, imagine, right? Right. And so it was those kinds of things, but that was what I was always looking for. So when I, when I would, I called it testing, I was testing for myself. I wasn't really testing for the public. Uh, I was testing for myself, you know, what would a new, new medium, a different person, you know, do, how would they do this and what kind of information would they bring? And I'll, I had a lot of relatives and a lot of uh, people who were uh, friends that were in spirit that would then come through. And I always got new information. That was one of the things that I loved about it. Yes. And then I eventually, you know, I got to the point where, well, what's next? You know, I, I understand that mediumship is real. I understand people really can communicate with spirit. What else is there? And, and then I think one of the first things I tried after that was I got a past life regression. And the past life regression. Now I had had I had, had like psychics tell me my past lives, mm-hmm. and that that didn't do anything for me because that was somebody else telling me something. It could have been fantasy. Right. It could just making up a story. So I didn't even consider that evidence. But when I went to a regressionist, and I was now having this multisensory experience, and and I mean it really is. It's it's if you've ever have you had one? Have you had a regression? I have not. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I'll tell you why it, it, it was so important to me in my work. And of course, I had several after that. But, you know, even with the first one, it started to help me put 
a lot of the things that I was I had learned from mediums into perspective. So like when when people in spirit, because, of course, I was asking questions with people in spirit. What's it like in the spirit world? You know, yeah. tell me what's it like for you? And of course, it was different for everybody. That, that was what's interesting. I, I, I interviewed somebody once and a medium once and said, you know, so tell me what it's like in the spirit. And well, she says, well, it depends on who you ask. And it really was true. I learned on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they would tell me what it was like in the spirit world. But then when you have a past life regression, you have these experiences that sound similar to what had been described to me from spirits uh, through mediums. And I now was able to put my own experience uh, together with what I had learned. And to me, that was so much more important that I was able to, uh, to me, what, what it all leads to, as far as I'm concerned, is what I call a knowing. And I say I went through three stages. I went through from being a skeptic yeah. to a believer and I, I, I consider a believer someone who has a lot of knowledge and right. we believe in that knowledge. It's something somebody else has told us, whether their story or they're telling us information. And we, we accept it as true, but that's a belief. Mm-hmm. And you have an experience of your own, like a past life regression is an example. And then now that it's, it's, a, it's almost a soul level, I call it, you know, a cellular level experience that is going to be with you for the rest of your life. And you now know at your core that this is true for you. It doesn't have to be true for anybody else. You know it's true for you. Right. You have that experience. You know what it felt like. You know the emotion, emotions you went through. And boy, did I go through emotions when I had that regression. I, I was crying. I was shivering. I Oh, it was just such a crazy experience. And then after that, that I went to the next experience, which is, Related to it, but it really is a whole new experience on its own, which is some call it a spiritual regression or a life between lives regression. So now you have a regression, which usually takes about 90 minutes. And when you get to the last day in that life, you usually, you know, you you die in that in that lifetime. You go to that place uh, and. Then you just keep going. You go, oh, what happens now? And this great, amazing man. Did you ever interview Michael Newton? No. Such an amazing man. And just think about it. So he's doing these regressions. And as far as I know, he's the first person to ever think of this idea of what happens if we keep going. Usually the regression ends and everybody goes home after, you know, you go through the death experience in that lifetime, that past life that you Mm -hmm. had. And then usually you kind of come to a sort of a higher awareness place and you learn what lessons you can gain from that lifetime. Okay. What right. lessons, but why did I have this experience? What lessons can I gain from that lifetime? That's great. And usually it ends there. Well, Michael Newton decides what happens if we keep going and what happens when you keep going is that you go back into the spirit world. I mean, he's, he coined the term for this type of a regression. Okay. And, and he has uh, one of his books. I think the first book that he wrote was called Journey of Souls. I recommend that uh, even above any of the other books he wrote. Uh, and um, I've, I've run into many people that agree with me that that's really the, the most precious of all the books. And they're all precious, but that's the most precious. Okay. So, Journey, Journey of, of Souls. So then, um, so I experienced this. I go to this through this lifetime. I then go beyond uh, that lifetime after I've passed, last day of my life there, and then I go into the spirit world. This is this can be anywhere from a three and a half to like a five hour experience. Wow. And 
it's and but it feels like it goes by in 20 minutes i mean it's just that crazy but it's sort of the same thing you you're now experiencing what it's like to be in the spirit world as best i think we can being alive <laughs> okay right yeah and, but it was the same thing now it took things even deeper for me because now all the things that i had been learning from Yes, my experiences with mediums and then my past life regressions and all the interviews I was doing. Of course, a lot of interviews that I was doing with people who had had near-death experiences. Right. Um, certainly, tons of people were telling me about their own uh, – what we, what we call ADCs or after-death communications. But some of those, some of those were – you know, they're sitting um, beside somebody who's ready to pass and then they, they pass – and they actually have this experience where they sort of go with them for a very short, short time. We'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com shades today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash shades. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure... It kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies 
personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think, it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Did you know that tests that could save your life from cancer are now available for little or no cost thanks to the health care law called the Affordable Care Act? Let this be the year you get screening tests that can detect cancer early when it's most treatable. Don't let concerns get in the way. Talk to a doctor or other medical professional to learn more about the best cancer testing options for you. Are you looking for that certain someone who shares your interests in UFOs, ghosts, Bigfoot, conspiracy theories, and the paranormal? Well, look no further than ParanormalDate.com, the unique site for like-minded people. If you like the senior crowd, try ParanormalDate.com slash seniors to meet like-minded people that are 60 plus. It all depends on what you prefer. ParanormalDate.com is great for everyone. You can also tap into members that are 60 plus at ParanormalDate.com slash seniors. Enjoy your search and have some fun at ParanormalDate.com. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we are with private investigator Bob Olson from AfterlifeTV.com as he's just beginning to share a story about a shared death experience. What we call ADCs are after-death communications, but some of those were, you know, they're sitting um, beside somebody who's ready to pass, and then they, they pass, and they actually have this experience where they sort of go with them for a very short, short time. And they, they, they watch as to where they go. It's almost a near-death ex- experience in itself. But they're literally just sitting in the room, might be the hospital room beside, mm-hmm. and, the, and their loved one passes. And then their loved one sort of takes them with them. And it's all in your mind. It's, right. not, it's not literal, although there's a, I think there's a literal aspect to it. Um, and it, take, it takes them to sort of show them what that death experience is like for them. All these experiences that I've been learning about now, this, this life between lives regression, I had something that I could compare it to. And I go, oh, now I know exactly what they were talking about when they were explaining, you know, what it's like to float or what it's like to, you know, f- feel whatever it is that they that, that I had learned about. And and then this continued and, and I even continued. I would have uh, I would get into meditation for a while and I would, you know, really have these amazing experiences with meditation and energy healing and by the end, 15, 20 years later, well, 18 years later now, I um, was able to take everything that I had learned as a belief and 
connect it with something that I experienced to create what I call my own personal knowing. That's really great. Really great. Yeah, it's fun. It's, you know, it's, it, it, to me, it was always exciting. It was always something new, you know, and and, and I know like, for instance, there's experiences that I still can have and I haven't had you. uh, I think you discovered them before I did uh, Al Bodkin, Dr. Al Bodkin. Yes. And and his work, uh, I, it was like, I thought I had found everything because everything seemed very repetitive after a while. And then I discover Al Bodkin and he's just doing something completely new. And I, uh, I love that. So anybody who um, isn't familiar with that should watch your show with Dr. Al Bodkin. Yeah. Induced after death communication, IADC. It's phenomenal. Yeah. And a whole new experience, right? A whole very cool experience to have. So I, you know, in a sense, though, what I love and when I put when I put the answers about the afterlife together and it took me like three and a half years to write that. book. Sure. When I put it together, one of the things I wasn't sure about when I started writing it and then I was happy that that's the way it ended when uh, when I finished it was that, yes, these things, they they don't contradict each other. They they work together. They work in, in unison. They complement one another. So near-death experiences complement what mediums do, complement these past life regressions and these life between lives regressions and even people's experiences with meditation or what we know of like deathbed experiences, uh, dream visitations. You know, right. they all complement with, with one another. They're not they're not contradicting each other. And to me, that is really important. Mm-hmm. There's so many common threads that go through them. And even for people that, like you said, the mediums had different stories of the afterlife. I think if you asked any human being, you know, what, what's life like? We're all going to come up with a different individual story about it. Yet, we're going to have some common threads that we eat and we sleep, work. Um, but other than that, there'd be some real differences. So I can get it. You would ask, you know, when did I start? doing the interview. I mean, I started the interviews very early on, like mm-hmm. immediately, like even the first medium I met, I interviewed uh, a whole bunch of her, her clients just to see what their experiences were like. Cause I now only had mine. And so I wanted to see what their experiences were like. And then, and then I, and then I started working with mediums and testing them and all different things. You know, will, will this work? Will that work? You know, we didn't even know it back then if you could do a reading on the phone. I know it sounds crazy now because it's so common. Common, yes. But back then, I actually used to have uh, – I tested it and we would try it and we would see, oh, yeah, it works just as well on the phone. It works just as well on the radio. It do, you know, it doesn't matter. But I had, uh, like, fun debates with mediums who had never done it before <laughs> – who were sure that it wasn't going to work as well for them. And, and then later, of course, now that's all they do, right? Uh, but it was, it, we, these are the things that I would try to test out with them. And, and I would have all my case files as a PI. And I, w- when I had a case uh, like for private investigations that involved somebody who had died, I'd see if they can bring that person in and tell me you know, anything about that case that only a few people in the world knew. Yeah, and, and they always did. You know, it, this was very early on in my journey, but they always did. And I was so it really helped me. This is the kind of evidence that I was looking for. Like, you know, what can we really do with this? How accurate is this? And then I found out, you know, it's very accurate. It is. Now, did you personally test all of the 800 plus top psychics and mediums that are on your site? So on bestpsychicmediums.com, yeah. yes. yes. on bestpsychicdirectory.com, that's actually the one with over 800 
Okay. Like and animal communicators. And, and uh, no, I mean, I've tested a lot of them, but I got to the point where uh, I had tested, honestly, I had tested hundreds. I ran, uh, I ran out of, uh, I stopped counting, I think around 400. And I, I realized that uh, there are signs that, which, uh, you know, I, I, I don't really give away because I don't want, <laughs> I don't want anybody to, right. to find out uh, and, and know what I'm looking for. Uh-huh. But, it's very easy for me to do a little investigation about each person. Now, when I say a little investigation, um, when someone applies to be on Best Psych Directory, uh, I, I probably spend anywhere from an hour and a half to two hours uh, screening them to make sure. So I'm, and I'm emailing people. I'm looking for references, uh, people who know them, and these are people that I respect and trust. So what do you know about this person? You know, are they good? Are they bad? Are they legitimate? Um, and, and it's great now because the Internet leaves this sort of long tail. I'm going to add a little update since our original conversation with Bob Olson. Bob Olson has two websites recommending psychics and mediums. One is bestpsychicmediums.com where he's personally studied and made sure these mediums are of quality. And the other one is bestpsychicdirectory.com. And I believe there's over 800 recommended psychics and mediums. Just something for you from what I have realized in the past many, many years is when you're looking for a psychic or a medium, you look for someone who's got many people that have commented or left feedback on how they are. You talk to people that have also had a reading with them and you find out how was it for you. The average price of a good psychic medium is about 75 to $100 a half hour or $150 to $200 for an hour. For a psychic reading, they could be about an hour. For a medium reading, though, to give really good evidence that it's your loved one, a reading really doesn't have to go longer than a half an hour. If you also want to add in psychic information and talk about your life, certainly an hour may feel very comfortable to you. I feel very strongly that mediums should honor the code of ethics that happens in the United Kingdom. In fact, if you don't feel a connection with the medium or the medium is honest and said, you know what, I, I can't bring through a loved one, I'm not feeling the energy for whatever reason that they don't take your money. So this is a code of ethics in 2021 that I really want to bring cross the earth. It's a big project, I know. But just because someone labels themselves as a psychic or a medium doesn't mean that they are good. So just like you go to a good restaurant or you find a good doctor or dentist, you want to do your due diligence. And if you trust them, you go for it. But make sure they have that code of ethics. Bob, I know that I've had some readings with people that other people have said are just the best, and I didn't feel it. It wasn't great for me. What do you think the reasons are why some people might get a good reading and some people don't? Because every person is different. You know, I think you're more like me. You're really looking for the deep evidence. And uh, and some people aren't. You know, some people, you know, Melissa, my wife, had, was never really skeptical. So me being the extreme skeptic, almost cynical skeptic, she being one who always sort of had a, a, a knowing that it seemed like it was just part of her life growing up. And if she, she, 
she's not one to be interested in getting readings, but if she were, she wouldn't be like testing them. It wouldn't be that kind of a thing. It wouldn't right. be stump the, stump the psychic, stump the medium. It would be, you know, she wants to find something out. Let's just say she went to a psychic because she wanted to help. Uh, she wanted help in making a decision that she was trying to make. She would then get a reading with them and she would be very open about the decision that she was trying to make and she would get the feedback from them and she would recognize whether the feedback she was getting resonated with, with what her own inner wisdom was telling her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's one example. Uh, that's the easy ones for people. And then there's anything all the way to us. So we're looking for evidence before before you help me with this decision, and, and mediums are a little easy because they're connecting with people in spirit, and and as long as they're a stranger, they don't know anything about those people. So yes. it's kind of easy when they give us stuff they couldn't possibly know, right? But with psychic stuff, it's you know some of it can come through, and it sounds very general. Tell me, if, if you're a psychic, I, wanna, I want you to tell me a lot of things about myself that you, you, there's no way you could possibly know. You can't find it on the internet. You can't. Uh, you know, there's just, you don't, you don't know anything about me. So tell me, and usually like even today I had to stop, uh, telling people that I was testing them. First of all, they could look things up on the internet, right? but that I, uh, I used to put things on the internet that was, that was fake. So I know. If oh, you're things. funny. It was funny. Um, well, you gotta do it, you know, you gotta do it. Yeah. Sure. These are in the early years. And then, uh, but also they, then they just got very nervous about the whole thing. Cause you know, even though I was just testing them for myself, you know, people think I'm testing for the public. I'm testing for myself and mm-hmm. it's me. It's my, I'm the one who wants to decide whether someone's going to go on one of my sites or not. But, uh, they would get very nervous. And then that nervousness got interfered with the reading. So I now usually go on get readings under a different name. It's time now for a short break. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. 
For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every eight minutes, the American Red Cross brings help and hope to people in need. Thanks to the support of everyday heroes like you, the Red Cross is able to respond to disasters, big and small. Support military families, help ensure that blood is available when needed, and teach life-saving skills like CPR and first aid. Be a hero. Donate today. Visit redcross.org or call 1-800-RED-CROSS. Hey, the Coast to Coast AM YouTube channel is waiting for you now. Go to coasttocoastam.com for more information. You're listening to the new iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Now let's get back to Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain. Before we go too much farther, I want to give you some links for some of the things Bob has been speaking about. The first one, Induced After-Death Communication, which Dr. Alan Botkin founded, where you can actually have a session with a trained therapist. And you can go to induced-adc.com. Also, I'm a bit on the fence about past life and life between life regressions, but there's some fascinating information out there, and this might be of interest to you. And you can actually have a session with someone to do one of these life between life regressions. And if you want to find out more, you can go to newtoninstitute.org. And my friend William Peters runs what's called Shared Crossings, and that's all about shared death experiences. And if you have a loved one who is close to passing, you can be with them 
And he and his counselors train how to be with a loved one as they're passing and gives you more information about sharing in the death experience and actually seeing and experiencing what your loved one is experiencing. So you can find out more about that at sharedcrossings.com. As we get back to our conversation with private investigator Bob Olson from AfterlifeTV.com, there's some people that don't know what the difference is between a psychic, a medium, and a psychic medium. So just basically, a psychic is someone that uses the power of their soul to read you. They can tell what's happened in your past, in your present, they can share their feelings about what's contained in your aura. Because all information about us is something that a soul can tap into. Now, the future is uncertain. So don't let any psychic tell you about the future because it just can't happen. And they also don't know about your health and cannot predict your health. So if someone gets into that, just don't even go there, as I say. A medium uses the same psychic power, and we all have it as a matter of fact, we just need a little training to get there, but they use that same power of the soul. Instead of tapping into your aura, they will tap into the aura, the energy field of a loved one who is no longer walking on earth. Now, loved ones, although they're not walking on earth, they are still very real people living in the unseen world. So a psychic taps into your soul, a medium taps into the soul of someone no longer walking on the planet. And a psychic medium is pretty much just a medium because all mediums need to use that psychic faculty. So if you're interested in learning this whole world, make sure you take a class in psychic first because it is that power that will allow you to move on into mediumship. I'm not going to trust what a psychic tells me about which decision they think is the best one to make. I'm only going to recognize if what they tell, tell me resonates with what I was feeling myself. It's kind of like that. It's kind of like when you go to your friends, you know, you go to your friends and you go, I'm trying to make this decision. What do you think? And, you know, you, you know, you're only really going to go with the advice that they give you that you think, you know, makes sense to you. Like, like your own gut instincts were telling you the same thing. Um, and, and so now they're just confirming it for you. And to me, that's what psychics do is they just confirm it for you. Mediums, you know, a completely different thing, as I said. Mm-hmm. Get you in touch with your friends and family in the spirit world. Um, yeah. Yeah. Bob, in your book answers about the afterlife, what kind of different topics do you cover in that? One of the most fascinating to me is near-death experiences. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I love near-death experiences because, not because I think people who have had near-death experiences know everything. I actually talk in the book about why I don't think they know everything. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I compare that to, you know, when you have a near-death experience and then, you know, of course you come back, it's kind of like, you know, somebody going to Boston and, and, and so maybe they know a little bit about Boston, but they only know their own experience in Boston. And it doesn't mean they know all about Massachusetts or certainly don't know all about the United States, right? all about the world. And so a lot of people, you know, listen to what people who have had near-death experiences have. It's one experience in their life. And it's a fascinating experience. And I absolutely love it. And I'll continue to interview those people. Uh-huh. Um, because we get something new all the time because, 
every person's experience is subjective. You know, in, a, in other words, their interpretations that they make when they come back are subjective. It's you know based on who they are, and and even their own beliefs. But it's a temporary experience. They actually didn't die permanently, so they don't actually know what it's like to be dead right. <laughs> in the spirit world, um, unable to come back. Uh, and so that's one experience. But there's so much that we can learn from them. So near-death experience is a, a really big one for me. I, um, you know, ADCs are, are great. I love ADCs. I talk a lot about after-death communications. Mm-hmm. And these, these are the experiences that everybody has had. So um, some people see spirits. Uh, some people just feel a presence in the room. You know, some people get those, you know, like that phone call. I've, I've, I've literally heard people who have got phone calls uh, that – some say they, they, they heard their loved one's voice uh, from spirit. You know, right. others just say they were thinking about their loved one and then the phone rang. You know, we have all these kinds of coincidences where um, coincidences are huge. And it's, it, that can be an ADC in itself. You know, I remember this story that, that hit me very early on in my journey here uh, of this woman who passed and her husband and their daughter were fighting and uh in the middle of their fight uh this candle which there was nothing wrong with it apparently um this candle just broke in half and just fell like the candle stick wow and half and and fell on the table and they both looked at it and then they, they looked at each other and it was like they both knew you know they were like yeah you know she doesn't want us to fight and this is the thing. After-death communications are important because of the meaning that we each give to them. So it doesn't matter what other people think about it. If something like that happens to you, if you feel like there's a presence in the room, people always know who it is. Yes. And you got to go with that. There's a reason. You're picking – you have your own intuitive abilities. And everybody who has had that experience – with any significant degree, always has known who that person is that is there. And then it's just a matter of whether they trust it or not, you know. Um, same thing with dream visitations. Dream visitations, a lot of people have had their loved ones in spirit come to them in a dream. Always the same thing. They're basically saying, hi, you know, I'm okay. Uh, I just want you to know I'm in a great place. I'm happy. And I love you when I'm watching over you. It, typically, always those are always the important messages that are coming through. And they're like a dream that is very unlike any other dream. So it's not one of these dreams where, you know, you're like riding a horse on the beach and right. flying, you know, in the air. And then the next thing, you know, you're eating chocolate somewhere. Uh, it's just this, you feel as though you're really in the room with your loved one from spirit. And there's not much else going on other than, you're having this conversation between you, and for the most part, they're telling you these things. You might be able to ask a couple of questions. Sometimes people get answers, but most people are just sort of listening, and they're getting this information, and then the loved one goes, and that's the dream. But one of the ways that they know it's a dream visitation versus any other dream is not only the, the content of it, but also they remember that dream yes. vividly. Many years later, as if it happened the night before. Same thing with near-death experiences. People tell me 
they remember them like they just happened yesterday and it could have happened when they were seven years old, as vivid and as real. So yeah. I, I love it's, that. Isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating and, and fun and because everybody's experience is a little bit different than, you know, that's what keeps people like you and I going. But, you know, I list in the beginning uh, so many of the things that I investigated, uh, past life regressions, of course, near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, past life recall. This is just, you know, like, uh-huh. especially kids remember. Right. Uh, new book out right now. What's the, what's the name of it? I'm sure you know uh, about the, the your audience is going to know this. Um, the little boy who believes he was Lou Gehrig. Uh, Do you know uh, I don't know that? Oh. <laughs> I'm going to have to check that out. Okay. Okay. Uh, I have the book upstairs, but I don't have it That's with me right, right I'll now. I'll find it. So anyways, past life recall. A lot of people who um, they hear their kids talking about that basically that they're they believe they're somebody else or they believe that you know they're a world war ii pilot yes yeah i know that story uh, soul survivor was an old uh, older book that was the same thing and then the the parents at first thought their kid was just being silly and then they start asking questions and before they know it they do research and they find out that someone with the name that their child is 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 saying is his name actually belong to a World War II pilot and all the details that the son gave them uh, turned out to be true. Uh, deathbed visions I talked about, you know, some people call those pre-death visions, which is a nicer way mm-hmm. of saying it. Uh, shared death experiences. Shared death experiences is kind of what I talked about earlier. You're sitting there and your loved one passes and then they share their, their experience going into the spirit world with you. And that's something that's called shared death experience, dream visitations. Um, Non-medium spirit visions. A lot of people who have had visions of spirit, like literally they can see them. They might not even be able to hear them or talk to them, but they can at least see them. And then sometimes they can talk to them. Uh, And these are people who are not mediums, just everyday people. And usually um, I have found that these kinds of things happen right after someone passes and that's who they see, you know? So usually at the funeral or at the cemetery or wherever, you know, this is even in their bedroom. Quite often that happens in the bedroom. They'll, they'll see their loved one and their loved one is just trying to let them know that they're okay. Mm-hmm. Channeling is a whole nother level. Um, you know, we have mediums who communicate with spirits, people, uh, you know, to sort of help us with our grief and, and dealing with loss. Then you have channels. To me, channels are people who, who are uh, communicating with large groups of um, spirits. The book Bob couldn't think of the title is The Boy Who Knew Too Much. And the other book he's talking about is Soul Survivor. I'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. 
with the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With age, women and men have issues with fine lines, wrinkles, under-eye bags, crepey skin on the neck, and aging on the hands. Dr. Nathan Newman has developed Luminess for amazing results treating these issues with his stem cell-based formula, APT200. Try Luminess today with our postage-paid starter kit for only $19.99, available exclusively at HealthyLooking.com. Join thousands of satisfied customers using Luminess. Learn more at HealthyLooking.com. Hey folks, we need your music. Hey, it's producer Tom at Coast to Coast AM, and every first Sunday of the month, we play music from emerging artists just like you. If you're a musician or a singer and have recorded music you'd like to submit, it's very easy. Just go to coasttocoastam.com, click the Emerging Artist banner in the carousel, follow the instructions, and we just might play your music on the air. Go now to coasttocoastam.com to send us your recording. That's coasttocoastam.com. The Art Bell Vault never disappoints. Classic audio at your fingertips. Go now to coasttocoastam.com for full details. The best afterlife information you can get while you're alive. Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain. Welcome back to 
Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain. And with our final segment today, I want you to hear a story from Brian Flanagan. Now, he has been a police officer and a detective and He's also taken classes in mediumship, and he has just an extraordinary story that I think will just cap this episode off perfectly. Let's listen. I was kind of raised by my grandmother, very devout Catholic. You know, I could, you couldn't do anything. I used to do anything with my left hand, and she would force me to my right hand. Oh no! Because when she grew when she grew up, apparently it was bad to do anything with your left hand. You know, I always followed her lead, and it was always. You know, the, the little altar boy in church, because my grandmother wanted me to be that. Uh, would always try to make my grandmother proud. You know, growing up, I, I went to college for accounting. And for whatever reason, when I was at UConn, I said, I don't want to do this. And all of a sudden, I just became a cop. And it was weird. I took a couple tests. And when I graduated from UConn, like three months later, I got hired uh, in, in the police department that I worked for. I don't know how I got here, why I got here, but 22 years later, here I am. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And how about um, the life after death part? What happened to you that even got you interested in being somewhere where I'd meet you at a course in mediumship? Like that yeah, seems so, like a far jump. Yeah. So here's what happened. Um, and then I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what happened and I'm going to go into the past some more because there's more stories come out. Yeah, that's fine. So what happened was, um, I think the trigger for me was, uh, I was working one evening um, and I was literally one street away from a house fire call. And most of the time when we're out on the road, we, we usually beat the fire department there just because we're already out and we have a volunteer fire department and a lot of these people, uh, men and women, they come from the houses. Um, when I got to this house, it, it literally was like a movie and um, the house was fully engulfed. There was electrical wires zipping around the front yard um, and I saw a male on a ladder on the side of the house and um, he was tr- reaching in, trying to get his child out of the house. Um, so I ended up getting him off the ladder. I mean, it was black billowing smoke coming out of this house. Wow. I ended up getting him off the ladder and I went around the back and kicked, I kicked the door in and it was, um, you know, it was like surreal. It was almost like I was in a movie. There were things on fire in a house and I got to the, to the stairs and I didn't know how to get up to, I didn't know how to get up the stairs because they're all, the whole stair was, was on fire. And, um, I, you know, there's a, there's this little boy in a house and then, and then at this point in time, I heard this, you know, the sound of when you fear, when, when you try to light a gas grill, you try to light it, try to light it, try to light it, it won't light. And also there's this big whoosh noise. Yes, I do. I know that. Noise. I heard that clear as day and I'm like, make a decision, you know, and I, and I didn't, and I just, there's no way I was going to get up that stairs. It was just fully engulfed. There's no way I could have gotten up those stairs. And I got out of the house and um, a five-year-old boy passed. And, you know, although the doctor, um, you know, the physicians that were down there and all the medical people were down there, they said that, um, you know, little boy was deceased, proud of even me being there. You know, it's something, not only as a police officer, but it's something as a human being, you don't want to accept. No. You know, you don't, you don't want to accept a failure of not saving a life, especially, you know, especially a, a, a young boy. Right. I mean, I have kids that are, well, my, my youngest is nine now, so it, it's tough. It's, it's real difficult. And so that, I put, that wasn't the crux of what happened. Several years later, um, 
I was involved in an incident where a domestic, where a woman um, was physically hurt, and we had to go to the house to get um, arrest the male. I mean, he he physically tuned her up a little bit, and um, you know, something told me, and I and I found this out later on. And the dispatcher said it. Something told me that there was going to be some kind of a gun call this night, and. Um, so we go down there, and a the gentleman I went down there with my partner, he, you know, 20 years military, he's running a platoon in Iraq, uh, Bronze Star recipient, very sharp guy, and we talked, we, we talked about how to approach the house, the whole nine yards. Well, we end up going to the house, we end up clearing room by room, he's in there somewhere, um, we finally get to his bedroom, <laughs> what my buddy didn't tell me was, was the door was blocked with a chair. He kicked the door in, this guy is intoxicated, lying on in his bed. And what happened was a friend of mine went into the room, um, and this was our mistake. We were told there was no weapons. You know, we're both 17-year vets of policing. We should know that there's always going to be a weapon. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's, it's just stupid on our part. Um, the guy was faking the whole time. So when my friend went into the room and I went and, and stepped over the threshold of the bedroom, he pulled a handgun out on me. And I just saw all my life literally flashed before my eyes, diving to the ground. My partner hit him with a taser, and then when I went to grab the guy, I got I got electrocuted up to my elbow. Wow! Um, and then he turned the taser off, and when he did, the guy dropped it. But then, well, when he got tasered, he dropped the gun. But then when he they turned the taser off, he grabbed the gun with his finger on the trigger of the gun. And so now it's just all out wrestling match with a guy in a room with a gun. Um, after that whole thing happened, things that were kind of easy to me became hard. And so I made the decision, um, which, you know, being a police officer, you know, you're supposed to be these, these um, you know, we see so much. And coming from a small town uh, with 12 years of my career, you'd work alone. You literally would have no backup. Right. You're used to getting back in the car and you suck it up and you move on. And all that stuff gets stuffed down inside you. But... You know, I, there's something inside me that said I needed to take a step away from policing. And that's when all, and I took about, about a month off, maybe a month and a half off of policing. And all this stuff started coming out, all of it, to the point where it was just so weird, Sandra. I, I felt like, um, I, I, I was like, am I having a nervous breakdown? It was just, it was weird. Like, I knew that we were here for love. And that if people didn't get that, they're going to come back here over and over and over again. I had to get a healing. Had to, had to, had to get a healing. And, you know, I'm not wowed by TV and all that, that stuff. But um, Pat Longo in Long Island, who at the time, uh, Teresa Caputo, this was Teresa Caputo's uh, well, healer, mentor. So I drove down with my sister, bawling all the way down there to get a healing from Pat Longo. And... She explained to me what was going on. You're, you know, you're, you're empathic, all this stuff. So then it all starts getting interesting. I come back to Connecticut, and there's a mediumship. Shout out how, what you were, a mediumship show, mediumship group, and it was Joanne Gerber at a place called EastCon in Connecticut. And I'm like, huh, I almost felt compelled like I, I wanted to go there. So my wife and I go there. I sit in the very back of the room. And what happened next blew my mind. Joanne is an amazing medium. Mm-hmm. Um, I owe everything to her um, with 
I mean, you know, most of these people, they get rushed away. You never have a chance to even talk to these people. Right. You know, a lot of the very, um, a lot of the mediums are very, any, any influential person seems like they just get, but what I love about a lot of the true mediums are just so down to earth and they're just so grounded and approachable. And so she did like an hour uh, reading for people and then she took questions and answers and she started to walk back to the front. And then she said, okay, okay. And she turned around and she said, he will not leave me alone. He has been persistent all day long to me. Who, who lost, a, I see an awful lot of smoke, who lost a, a young boy, uh, who can connect to this? So myself and a woman in front of me, um, we've both raised our hands, and um, she came back to us, and she said, I mean a five-year-old boy, and I had kept my hand up, and um, she had mentioned his name, which I don't want to mention, you know, out of respect for the family here, but she had mentioned his name um, and mentioned, you know, policing before when she was doing other readings, but she didn't know if she was cross-linking, mm-hmm. and, and, and she told me things about the house fire when it was, where he was found, that there's just, there's no way. There's no way she would, because this is, not only these juvenile records, not only, they're, they're sealed stuff. There's not, there's no way that she knew this stuff. Right. Absolutely no way that she knew this stuff. And he wanted me to tell his parents that he was fine. He was okay. He was still here. Wow, and, Brian. Right, right. And, um, I went up to Joanne afterwards, and I remember a woman coming up in line, and she was hysterically crying, and she said, oh, my God. Joanne, when I when she asked what my connection was, she asked me if this was my child, and I said, no, I'm a police officer. She says, I don't want to know. Don't Please don't tell me anything, because that won't validate uh, me if I if I tell you things. Right. Um, so this woman came up in line, and she was just hysterically crying. At what, it just, uh, like, mind-blowing mind-blowing and so i was at a crossroad where um you know i'm a police officer do you just show up at somebody's house and say hi i was here 15 years earlier you know how how are people going to take that i represent a professional organization right you know how do you how do you word these things um it, it got sandra it got so weirder from here um so joanne i asked her a question i said you know Thing, things are starting to happen, and I, I can't. I don't understand what's going on with me. So she said, "Why don't you call me for reading? I'm doing readings coming up." Um, I looked at, I, I called, I looked at the prices, and, and and they're actually pretty reasonable. But you know, money was tight with me at the time, so um, I emailed the office and I said, "No, I appreciate. It. I, I can't. You know, I'm going to have to not schedule it because um, I had originally wrote and asked about the pricing. And next thing I know, Joanne Gerber." emails me and says, when can I call you? And I, and I was just kind of blown away. And so she called me and she said, listen, this is for everything you do for everybody else. And, and you know, I'm just, I'm just an everyday person. I'm a nobody. I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a profession of service to other people. And it irritates me to no end to see those. There are so many good police officers, men and women that put the right foot forward every single day and then you have that 10% out there that use that, that authority for, for the power. Right. And it, it just, it's so disheartening to me for everything that I, how I was raised and, and what I stand for. But Joanne wanted to give back to me. 
I'm sorry to cut this time short with Brian Flanagan, but if you want to hear the full interview, you can go to my website, sandrachamplain.com, and it is episode number 101. Also, the way he's talking about Joanne, when you find yourself a psychic or medium, make sure they're down to earth. Make sure they have no big ego. Make sure they are about service. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Sandra Champlain, and you've been listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And if you like this episode of Shades of the Afterlife, wait until you hear the next one. Thank you for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.